Hey yo! Welcome to another episode of Be Yourself, the show where you can be yourself with me, Andy Mencias. Today's guest is Nico Ramos. He's a sportscaster, TV and radio presenter, podcast host, and just all-around sports media guy, best known for his work covering the UAAP. Now, as we always do when it comes to opening the show, it's important for me to give some quick context about my personal relationship with either the guest or their work, and in Nico Ramos' case, the honest truth is that I've always felt a little bit of jealousy. Because, after all, being a sportscaster was my dream for the longest time, and coming from a similar background and pedigree as Nico, like the Magic 89.9 Junior Jock Program, and just having shared influences when it comes to writing about sports and intersections with culture and life, sometimes seeing Nico Ramos do so well would lead me to thinking, man, if I were born around his time, I probably could have succeeded that way too. Now, I'm not saying this because it's a good thing. It's more of just a guilty admission. Because I'm fully aware that my jealousy of Nico Ramos' career is a largely negative way of viewing the world. Because I've found that when someone succeeds and it pisses you off, unless that person is of massive generational nagaharing lupa wealth, sometimes that honestly says a lot more about you than it does about that person. And this manifested when I was preparing for the interview. When Jeanine and I were discussing how to approach the Nico Ramos episode, I told her very dismissively, man, I don't know what to ask. He's such a happy person. And Giannina called that out and said, well, I like happy people. And you know what? She's right. Over the last year, I've been learning how to treat myself with less negativity to stop licking wounds, and to stop treating myself like a victim. It's a difficult and painful process, but it's been a necessary one. I want to like happy people, and I want to be one. That's why going into this episode, what I really wanted to milk was the question, what's his secret? Why is he so happy? And how do you stay that way? In what you're about to hear... Nico Ramos answers those questions in his own way. Now, you might not find the answers by the time you reach the end of the show, but what you can find is inspiration from somebody who's willing to let go, trust the process, stay happy, and be himself. Cue sponsorship tag! Be Yourself is supported by My Valuable Player. My Valuable Player is the first of its kind local sports cards company that offers card splitting, a service that allows you to invest in premium sports cards at only a fraction of the cost. MVP operates with utmost transparency as a registered corporation under the SEC. The best part is that investing doesn't have to be intimidating. You can simply check out the resources on Investing 101 on their Instagram page at My Valuable Player. Be Yourself with My Valuable Player. Do it different. My next guest is a sportscaster and sports writer, and you probably know him from his work with ABS-CBN and Magic 89.9. And you might also know him from his work with Slam Magazine and Titan. And I'm very, very excited to have him on the show because he's finally going to be himself with us today. Uh, what's up, Nico Ramos? Hey, man. Thanks. Thank you for thanks for having me. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here. <laughs> it's a pleasure for us to have you. And I guess that's why... I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't start this any other way because 
when Giannina and I were doing like the list of guests that we wanted on for season two, uh, you were definitely in the list. And partly because I love your work. I'm a big fan of your work. Partly because I feel like as a podcaster yourself, you know, you tend to be very gracious about having guests on. And, uh, and yeah, I feel like you would have wanted to do it anyway. But then the third thing is because we have, Giannina and I have like a very close friend whose name is Reg. Uh, and she's a massive fan of you, <laughs> to, to the point where it's like I like, like I love your work, but it's like I didn't know someone could like Nico Ramos that much because it's like she was like, she was so excited when she found out we got you, and it was like I, I don't want to say it's unhealthy, but it's it more of just is. like it, it's <laughs> it's definitely like a peg above like respect. So I, I guess I just wanted to shout Reg out really quick. Shout out Reg. Shout, <laughs> shout out Reg. You have poor taste, Reg, but uh, I appreciate it. Like she's she looks up to you so much. Um, but the other thing that I really wanted to start with, and this might be very boring, because uh, you're probably gonna have a lot of interviews that ask about it. But congrats on the kid. Uh, very oh, happy for you. How how did my it wife is doing? My my wife is doing uh, all the work. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm uh, I'm I'm incredibly excited. Um, I you know I always I always say that uh, it was one of my dreams growing up um, was to play basketball for a living and be a dad. Um, can't do anything about that first one anymore. But yeah. um through God's grace, uh, we're we're excited to to welcome a baby into our family. Do you um? What are the expectations that you have coming into having a kid? Well, also, is this like a thing that you've always wanted to do? Because you said like I've always wanted to have a kid. Or yeah, no, did, yeah. Did you ever have I like mean, a child-free phase? Or uh, I mean, you know, I I I greatly look up to the dads in in my family. Um, you know, my, my dad, obviously, my, my uncles, my, my, my grandfathers, um, all just outstanding men that, you know, I, I greatly look up to. And uh, if I can be kind of hopefully uh, half as good of, of a dad as, as those guys are, then uh, I'd, I'd take that as a win. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's something I'm incredibly, incredibly excited about. Um, uh, I don't know what kind of expectations you have, right? I mean, uh, what to expect when you're expecting. Um, I hope I hope my son or my daughter looks like my wife. Um, that's 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 number one. Um, and and yeah, and, and and apart from that, just hopefully be able to, uh, you know, have her have her or I keep using her because I, I have, I have a stinking feeling. It's uh it's going to be a girl. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for that, but yeah, hopefully it's uh be able to provide her with opportunity, with freedom, with um, as, as much room or whatever it else uh, that she'll need to, to succeed or be happy in life. Uh, and, you know, that's really all I can ask for. You know, it's it's funny that you you started that with talking about the you know the positive male figures that you've had in your life because that's the next thing I wanted to ask. Uh, like, I wanted to ask you what your father was like and how, you know, how do, how does that influence what you want to be as a father? Oh, my, my my dad's the best. My dad's the best. My 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 dad. Um, you know, I I know a lot of people that you know are kind of bound or limited by their father's expectations, what their 
parents want them to be, what, what they're, especially for guys, right? What, what your dad wants you to be. Um, my dad's just always kind of wanted us to be happy. He's just like, cool. You want to, you want us to have paid for all that school um, and for you to be a radio DJ? Sure. By all means, go for it. And I was like, what? Really? That's okay. That's yeah. not the coming out that you expected. I was sure. like, sure, man. <laughs> I mean, all right. I'm, I'm not sure a lot of, a lot of fathers are going to be, are going to be stoked when, when their kid says, yeah, I went to UP and all that. And uh, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to, I want to work at magic um, <laughs> and, you know, talk about just the random things and play music for a living. Um, and they were always incredibly supportive. Um, my dad, number one, um, he's, you know, he's always been the type of guy, even, even when I was much, much younger, when, you know, I was choosing schools or when I was still trying to pursue, you know, playing basketball at the college level. Um, Cause I got into UP in Los Banos that pretty much meant no basketball. I played for UP LB, but that's not saying much or team stock. Um, but, you know, I had, you know, this random opportunities with smaller schools, not so, how do I say it? They don't, they don't necessarily have the uh, academic like, resume okay, yeah. that, that, that UP has, you know. Um, and, you know, as a dad, usually you would want your kids to kind of just go to wherever the best academic institution was. But that, that was a really tough choice for me at that time. Um, you know, and I was talking to my dad, I was like, you know, I can go to UPLB and just go the traditional school route. It's a great school. Uh, it's a program I want to, I want to take up or, or I have a chance to maybe play in the UAAP for, um, for maybe, maybe I could be a third string point guard for, for this team and the school. Um, and he was like, yep. I mean, it's your decision. He's like, you get a scholarship either way. You go to UB, tuition's cheap. Um, you go and get in, into that team for that school. Um, you're, you're on a free ride. It's, it's your choice. You know, that's a lot of responsibility to put on a 16 year old who thinks that, you know, he's going to play in the PBA someday. Um, but uh, I think I picked, I think I picked the, I think I made the good, uh, I made the best choice. Uh, I made the better choice, not because, you know, uh, UP is UP, but, you know, because I wasn't that good of a basketball player to begin with. Wait, in terms uh, of in terms of the scholarship offers you were getting, you didn't get any from UP though. No, you no, were, you were gonna no. play in the UAP. like to play, but didn't like UP suck at that time. Oh, that's how bad I was. <laughs> I tried out. <laughs> I tried out. I mean, I tried out for UP. That was gonna be my dream. I tried out like to play in the Liman, to play for the UAP. Uh, I was there. Uh, I still, I still kind of poke fun at Coach Joe Lepa to this day because. I was there at tryouts and he sent me home because I was garbage. Um, Martin Reyes has become one of my dearest friends just in life. We were batchmates. So he was this hotshot coming out of Zabel. It was him and Migs the Asses. They were, they were the two guys who were coming from Zabel and joining UP at the time. I remember being at practice with them. And, you know, uh, there was a lot of optimism going into that class because Martin and Migs, to this day, I mean, to this day, I mean, you want to talk about just guys who can just flat out shoot, period. I mean, there's there's still like some of the best that I ever saw or played with. Um, and yeah, they really had absolutely no room for for someone with 
um, my very, very uh, humble skills. Um, <laughs> but I joke with them a lot. I was like, you guys were going to go, if, you know, had we known you guys were going to go 0 and 14 anyway that year, then you got, you know, you could, you could have thrown me in the roster. I mean, if we were going to suck anyway, I might yeah. as well suck with you, but yeah, I would have, I would have found a way to make us go. Oh, and 15, if they put me on the team, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how, but I was that bad. Do you, um, going back to the fatherhood thing though, like, you know, you've said a lot of great things about your dad and how supportive uh, he was, but I guess just like, do you feel though, that there are things about your dad and how you were raised nah? Um, that you might have to unlearn when it comes to your own journey in fatherhood that you're about to take? I mean, un- unlearn is probably not the word that I would use. You know, I, I, I think that, I mean, with anything, you kind of pick the best things and try to improve on the not so uh, good things, right? Um, and, you know, my parents... They, they try their absolute best to kind of raise good kids. Um, I'm not sure how on the scale of success they would peg wherever it is that I landed, <laughs> but I look at my siblings and I'm extremely proud of them. And you know, a lot of it is because it was really a village. I'm extremely close with my aunts and uncles. I was extremely close with my grandparents when they were still, when they were still alive. And you know, my parents really fostered that sense of larger family with us. So, you know, um, that's something that I'll, I'll hopefully be able to do with, with our son or our daughter or our children if we have more in the future. Um, you know, there's, you know, also, you know, other things that my, my parents or my dad specifically um, did when it came to raising me that um, I'm going to make sure that I don't do um, with, like with my son or, or my daughter, like, you know, um, Leave me to myself to figure out how to commute around wherever. <laughs> but isn't that the best way to learn, though? No, it's not. It's not. It's you get you get lucky. You get lucky. Oh yeah. Yeah. My my, my dad. That's gave how me I tw- learned. My my dad gave me twenty bucks and said, "Yeah, figure it out, man." Oh, that's not enough at all. And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> uh, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get lost, he's like, if you get lost, you know, just take it. Take a find a bus or a jeep to Kubao, and from Kubao you know your way home. And I was like, mm, technically you're right, um, but yeah, you know it's 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 little things like that. Uh, but you know, for, for for the most part, you know, if uh, if I could raise me um, the way my parents raised me, uh, if we can raise our son or our daughter the way that my my in laws raised my wife, um, then we should be in very good shape. You know, I. On the whole thing about growing up, I guess another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that, you know, on the show, we tend to talk a lot about growing up and how that was for people. And um, and you went to, to high school in Marist. And that's not something that uh, I feel like, you know, you talk about too much. But there are times where you have like a few tweets where it's like, oh, man, high school was like, people should stop saying nicknames from high school. And like, high school is not forever. Like, I've... Am I wrong in assuming that there's like a little bit of bitterness left over from high school? If you don't have any, if you don't, if there's someone out there who has zero bitterness about their high school experience, then uh, they're lying. Um, Or lucky. Or very lucky. (laughs) Or lying. Uh, (laughs) No, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's part of it, right? I mean, 
is it really the best thing in the world to get a bunch of 14, 15 year old boys all together? Because I went to an all boys school just all day, practically every day. Um, you know, it's, it's bound to create certain experiences that now we can look back and say, oh, you know, that shaped me. That made me the person who I am right now. But, you know, also you look back and say, oh, it's completely unavoidable. Maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have gone into one, at least like two of those fights. Maybe I shouldn't have gone into, I could have avoided that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's all part of it. You're not going to have a, a bump free road in life, especially once you hit those teenage years, uh, especially once all those other kids are going through the same weird changes that you're going through and everyone adapts to them in, in their own way. Um, it's, it's just being cognizant enough to know when stuff is for kids and when you're no longer a kid and those things are no longer for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the nicknames that you give other kids or other kids give to you in high school, at some point you got to let them die. Uh, at some point, you gotta let them die, and you know, I, I what was still what was yours? It was I didn't really necessarily have uh, a nickname. It was either just Nico or Nico Ramos, which was my whole name because yeah. in my life I've always been around other Nikos. Yeah, just like all the time. I think there were probably five of us in in my batch from grade school to high school. I went to college in the dorm that I lived in my freshman year. This isn't just like in total, like in the university, because UPLD is a pretty big campus. This is just the dorm that I lived in. There were seven Nikos that were living there, <laughs> including myself. So, you know, it, it was always just, you know, it was, just, you just had to identify each Nico in something else, um, whether it was their last name or some striking characteristic. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel bad for some of the kids I went to high school with, some of the, like the, playful teasing that um kids gave them whether it was nicknames or or whatever or pet names or whatever you want to call it they still go by those names now like i still have mm-hmm. friends who go by like random body parts that we found funny when we were kids like uh i i have a friend that when we all get together and we look for him because he, he's in the states now and you know if anyone wants to check up on him or ask how he is we still don't call him by his first name. Like we still just call him Tenga. Like, what? What's this thing? And I'm like, God, we're thirty. I mean, come on, we're grown men. <laughs> his parents gave him a perfectly decent name, and we're still calling him. Like, no one used it at all by that name because when we were kids, we thought his ears were a little big. But yeah, no, it's crazy. High school's high school's crazy. You you mentioned you brought up some fights. Like, what were some of the? Did you ever get in trouble for that? Um, yes and no. I mean, there were a couple, of, you know, um, skirmishes that you get away with. And there are a couple of ones that, you know, you, you get into some trouble with, but yeah, you know, I was, I always say this, the, the, there are only two kinds of people who ever want to fight mm. someone who's good at fighting and someone who's never fought before. <laughs> um, I'm neither. That's why I, if, if I could live my life and die and never having to, you know, never having to fight again, then, uh, that's, then that's ideal. Um, I've, I mean, I, I wouldn't call myself good at fighting and I've been in fights before and I suck at them and it hurts. Mm-hmm. 
ever get punched in the nose yeah. ever get punched in the face man it sucks it sucks yeah um so so yeah but you know I, it, it wasn't necessary it's it, it's high school fights right it's it's not it's grade school fights you look back on it, if there's instant replay in life you look back on it, it probably wasn't even an actual fight <laughs> it was probably mm-hmm. just someone throwing a tantrum and you know shoving someone someone shoves back and then it gets pulled apart but in your mind it's like oh yeah like, this is the anime today. shit i i've always I was, in, I was in a fight today but really you weren't really yeah. you weren't yeah i i got into fights in grade school too and uh my win loss record's not very good either though i will oh. say one one win that i had was over this kid who was like a taekwondo varsity at the time and my teacher got mad at me because she was like why, why would you fight that kid taekwondo varsity shit. i was like that should be fucking compliment. Like if, if I can win over that guy. Um, but that being said, you know, I I, I did want to ask about Marist because um, yeah, like high school does suck. You are correct about that. That's a very evergreen statement, I feel. But you brought up the the whole thing about growing up in an all-boys school. Cause um, because I grew up in an all-boys school for grade school, and I don't identify as a boy now, I identify as uh, non-binary. But uh, in high school and college, we're both co-ed for me. And I guess I was wondering about that for you. like, Because obviously nowadays, there's like a lot of... Um, there's a lot of... Like feminism is at like an all-time high when it comes to uh, just like being in the whole social realm, right? And I guess just like as someone who went to an all-boys school, do you ever feel complicit, I guess, in you know, that kind of boys will be boys culture. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you want to, now that you have some distance from it, you want to be able to say you didn't know any better and it's a nature versus nurture type of thing. Right. Um, where in you're kind of placed in this environment in this pre-existing structure that, really forces you to make those jokes, right? To think in that certain way because you're young, because your brain is malleable, because you're constantly looking up to role models that, you know, to people who maybe aren't role models because they're just kids also, right? If you're a freshman in high school, the coolest people in school are the seniors seniors, in high school. But if you think about it, they're just what, three years older than you are, man. I mean, like, yeah. What do they know? Like how much, how much, how much better do they understand things? Right. Um, so you'd like to think that, you know, Oh, I mean, you know, it's not my fault. You know, I was, I was put in an old boys school. That's just how old boys schools are. And I'm no longer that way. And, you know, I never really proceeded to think in that way. And that, you know, anything I may have said or thought or have been part of or tolerated or ignored when I was a kid, isn't really my fault. You like to think that, but you know, obviously, there's no. That's not an absolute truth. Um, obviously, there's there's choices that people make, uh, and there's choices that you choose not to make um, for varying reasons, right? I mean, peer pressure is tough enough um, for for anyone, um, let alone. Um, I I don't know what peer pressure is like in a co-ed school. I don't know what peer pressure is like in an all-girls school. I don't know if it's better, or worse, the same as what I experienced in, in an all boys school. And, you know, all you can, all you can really do is, um, I guess, be aware, be aware of the difference between where you were choices you may have made back then and where you are now 
and be really mindful of your influence on on kids who are at that age. You know what I mean? Um, my, my, my siblings are grown up. My siblings are adults. Um, but my brother-in-law is young. He's in college. He's, he's an 18-year-old. And, you know, you realize that whether you choose to or not, whether you sign up for it or not, you're, you're a role model um, to, to, to people um, who maybe you see parts of yourself in them. Maybe they see something in you that they can relate with. And you just have to be mindful at all times because what you think, what you feel, what you believe in is one thing. It's another thing to be very, very conscious and outwards uh, when it comes to reflecting those beliefs, right? When it comes to being against what you're against or being for what you're for. Um, and, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm on this, I'm on this podcast where you open it with a, a friend of yours who, who you say, unfortunately for her, you know, looks up to me, um, <laughs> who I may not have a real strong personal relationship with, if anything, right? Outside of maybe a couple of interactions via yeah. social media. But We're hearing her here on the show. Yeah, yeah. But you never know, right? You never know. You never know who it is you're, you're speaking to. You never know who it is you may not be speaking to them, but they can hear you. You know what I mean? Um, They may not be watching you, but they can see you. You know what I mean? Um, And, you know, you, you just have to, I mean, I, I, I really like to believe that principles aren't things you turn on and turn off. Principles aren't things that you talk about sometimes or you don't talk about. Um, other times you know, principles are what you do when when no one's looking principles are they exist in your mind in your thoughts that no one can read um, and yeah you just have to be mindful at all times you just have to be conscious what kind of energy you're putting out there um, you know what kind of beliefs um, you're you're really truly living by because because yeah. that's important and you know that's the only way you can maybe possibly at least try to correct any of the things that you may regret from when you were younger and less informed. What were some beliefs that you feel like you've had to cut out or, um, you know, have been changed over time? I mean, like I said, you know, I'm, I've, I've been very, very fortunate to be around people, to be around grownups in my life that, um, have a set of values that, you know, I've, I've, I've found to be better than other people's role models. Um, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's kind of like this radical belief that I've gone 180 on. It's, it's much more, uh, I guess what I've learned is just because you're not, well, I, I guess the one I'm not sure if it's a belief, but I guess the one thing that in my younger years I've kind of seen as, all right, not so bad. Um, but now as I've gotten older, and especially with the climate these days, I've, I now kind of see as more than potentially harmful. is just sitting back and not saying anything. Because I used to, you know, I used to truly believe, you know, oh, not my fight, not my fight, not 
not my cause, right? Not my cause, not something to raise a pitchfork over. Um, but, you know, eventually you get older and then you realize that, you know how they say that ignorance is not an excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's partial truth in ignorance being an excuse because you can't know everything about everything yeah. all the time. Yeah. Especially how you feel about what that thing is, right? Um, but it is a choice to remain ignorant. For sure. It is, a cho- yes. it, 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 is, it is a decision that you make that when something is brought to your attention, it's something that you choose to not have any part of, to quote unquote, remain neutral. That's a decision that you are making. And if you make that decision, and if that's a decision that you've thought of, and you're consciously making, I can't necessarily fault you for it. But I do not buy people who say that they, you know, are ignorant of something. And then it's something that they can very clearly see and feel, um, maybe not personally, but, you know, in other people close to them, around them. And then they choose to remain ignorant, but yeah. are in denial of the choice that they're making. Um, it, yeah, you kind of you kind of get. Sabi nga nila, I mean, like, um, yun nga parang pag namulat ka na kasalanan ng pumikit ulit. So that's right. Um, so so yeah. So I guess it's that. I mean, you know, and it's not something I think that's special or unique to me. Uh, I think that that's something that generationally is happening or has happened to a lot of a lot of people my age or maybe slightly older um you know that's why i i have a great amount of respect and admiration for younger people who have less qualms about feeling a certain way just because it's controversial um but because that's their truth uh, and that's the reality that they're fighting against and it's the reality that they're trying to pursue um, you know, you, you find someone who's like 17, 18, 19 years old, and they, they know how they feel. Most of the time, they know how they feel about uh, whatever thing it is that they've been made aware of. Um, and that's admirable. And that's admirable. And that's something that, you know, obviously, I wish when I was younger, I was much more of. And it's a continuing process for me, as it is with many, many people, um, to, to live that way now, uh, and to continuously try to inform yourself, even though it's difficult. Um, and even though the information you may be, the information that may be waiting for you is not information that you'd like. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm under no illusions. That's not easy. Um, but it's in the trying. It's in the honest, earnest trying uh, that, uh, that I think, you know, as a, as a society, we can win. I have a like a like obviously I'm not that old like I'm just 22, but I do have a similar feeling towards kids who are like decidedly in the Gen Z, because it, it's so strange to me how like they're just so aware of a lot of different things that you don't really know about. Because I feel like for your generation and mine, which is like the generation like right after, parang, there's so much time spent trying to impress adults and trying to impress kids your age too um and i guess like for you as someone who's you know not 
too old din naman, but you know, not the youngest either. Do you feel though that when you're a kid, parang yeah, how how do you balance like the lack of life experience versus um you know, the whole youth thing about wanting to know everything and yeah, I don't know. Um how do I ask this? I'll edit this out. I guess I just wanted to ask parang do you feel like do you feel that you lose more things with age? You know, because because you're talking about how younger kids nga are you know very passionate about all the things they know. Do you feel that you lose more things when you grow older, or do you feel that like the experience that you gain as you grow older is more valuable than what than the passion that kids have? But, but, but before we get to that. <sighs> Sobrang init ng panahon. Kaya if you're looking for something to cool you down, sounds about the perfect time to try Dadai's homemade ice cream. Enjoy some of their creamy flavors, coffee crumble, cookies and cream, roasted strawberry, and their bestsellers, mango graham and kube. Enjoy creamy goodness in 500 milliliter tubs starting at just 150 pesos. Like Dadai's homemade ice cream on Facebook and follow at dadais.ph, that's D-A-D-A-Y-S dot P-H on Instagram and pre-order now. Be yourself with Dadai's homemade ice cream. I mean, you can't help but gain experience, right? I mean, you just can't help it every day that you wake up because it's, uh, I mean, life, life is inexorable, right? I mean, you cannot go back. You cannot rewind. You cannot take away. It just keeps adding and adding and adding and adding. That's, that's just like basic physics, right? Um, so you can't help but to just keep gaining life experience. Whether in the larger scheme of things you're adding to yourself or you're losing from yourself, despite this constant addition of life experiences, that's really up to you. I mean, as you start to age and as you start to know things and experience more things, does that continuously open and widen your curiosity or does that do the inverse in the sense that it narrows now your need and your thirst for other things because I have all this life experience this is enough for me right um so I think you know it's uh and you know this isn't a cop-out but I I honestly truly believe it's the best answer to most if not all questions in that it's a case-to-case basis uh, because you know I'm I'm extremely careful with sweeping a wide brush, um, especially when it comes to like generation talk or, or things like that. I know it's ironic because I just said that I look up the young people <laughs> who who are extremely hunger for hungry for things. But but yeah, I mean you know as 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 you age, that's really up to you. I mean that's really that's really a, a reflection of you now. If if you're the type who feel like uh, who feels like oh you know I'm I'm losing more because I'm getting older Then maybe that, that basin for your curiosity, maybe it's reached its limit. Maybe you have to figure out how to kind of break past that and just expand that. Right. And just widen and increase that cylinder within you to just keep absorbing and yeah. keep making sense of, all these life experiences that you're gaining. And 
and to put it through the process, that internal process to actually make something of it. I do want to dwell on the activism point a little bit later, but I guess going on the topic of um, being more aware of social issues, I I did want to say that um, I guess for you as somebody whose work is very much like, oh, this is sports, but it's also intertwined with pop culture and um, and like history and and all that kind of social stuff. Uh, is it fair to assume though that like you're a big Bill Simmons guy? Because I feel like that's like a very obvious influence that I've seen in your work, um, which I would just assume anyway, just because it's like you know someone who grew up in the two thousands and is into sports and pop culture. Like like where does that rank for you in terms of influence? I mean, you know, I have a great amount of respect for anyone who I can talk to about some of like the older Grantland stuff that, um, that, you know, Bill Simmons was, uh, obviously, uh, a huge, huge part of, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's being able to find that, that link between pop culture and, and sports, I, I'm not even sure it's something he's found necessarily. I think it's much more of him seeing the, the barriers in between, just not caring. You know what I mean? And just having a website that has a Game of Thrones recap right yeah. next to the NFL picks for the wild card game uh, that's happening on the same day. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something that's obviously been a huge, huge contributor to what I believe content, what kind of content I gravitate towards, what kind of content Same. I gravitate towards creating. Um, you know, with 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 our podcast, uh, with Call to Arms, you know, a lot of people um, think of us as a as a sports podcast, uh, I guess I don't blame them when, when they think that there's a basketball on the logo. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's also at the same time, a podcast of just things we like. Um, and I feel like I am not alone in liking this specific combination of things. And I, and this is something that I had to kind of deal with a lot working with a traditional um, media uh, in, in traditional media such as radio was I don't necessarily see people as demographics right I don't necessarily adhere to how rigid that box is yeah. that a sports fan is only a sports fan mm-hmm. um, some of the people that you know back when you still could that I really truly enjoyed watching sports events with had interests that I had absolutely no inkling of ever, ever getting into uh, and vice versa. You like know what? what? I mean? just, just because we both like basketball doesn't mean we're going to like the same type of movies. Okay. Um, yeah. Just because we both are Laker fans doesn't mean that I enjoy the type of music that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Or just because I know that you are someone who is of this age group from this school and roots for this UAAP team, that doesn't give me any type of window into like whether or not yeah. 
whether or not you know who all the members of BTS uh, mm-hmm. are or not. You know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Simmons is one of the one of the more influential content creators um, that we've had in this time. Um, I, I've taken a lot. I've stolen a lot from the stuff that <laughs> they do over over at uh, over at Grantland and eventually on on Ringer. Um, but I mean, he's not the only. One. I'll steal from anyone, and I don't yeah. care. Uh, you know, locally, I've, I've I've stolen a lot and continue to steal a lot from Miko Halili, who <laughs> uh, I'm just a massive massive fan of. Um, I worked, um, you know, for a considerable amount of time. I worked on the same radio show. And a couple of TV shows with Mo Twister, mm-hmm. um, and you know he's someone I still steal from all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of my there's a lot of my cadence. There's a lot of the way I structure an interview that I have unabashedly taken from him. Um, and there's things from those guys that I don't take. You know what I mean? Because it's not a fit for me. It's not something I particularly do well. Or yeah. as well as them, or it's just not something I'm particularly interested in. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, have I stolen a lot from Bill Simmons? I mean, hell yeah. But uh, <laughs> if 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 you're throwing the book at me, if I'm like in court uh, and I'm getting charged because of uh, because of theft of the Bill Simmons IP, and I'm getting charged and sentenced for that crime. I'm laughing because at the back of my head, I'm going, oh, you think that's bad. You should see everyone else I've stolen from For that sure. you don't know yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, and you try to make it your own dinaman anyway, so I don't think anyone would accuse you. Of I mean, sometimes, stuff. sometimes. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I don't even care. Sometimes it's just like I'll ripped just, off directly. No, no. Sometimes I'll just... Yeah. Because, I mean, because that's a thing, right? I mean, is anything, anything really, truly 100% an original yeah. idea? Um, like even the Bill Simmons stuff is just like, I mean, that's basketball in movies. Like you're directly stealing from those IPs, Deba. Right? Correct. But I mean, and this is by no means a knock to him. He just did it better. Yeah. Is he the first? I don't know. Is he the only? Absolutely not. But at that time, especially, you know, at the peak of his powers, you know, at the peak of Grantland and at the start of Ringer, no one was doing it better. And you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, because we'll fall down the rabbit hole here of did Steve Jobs steal Apple? Um, <laughs> but but in, yeah. in terms of in terms of in terms of what we do, I guess, in broadcast in creative content creation, um, you just have to do it better. Mm. The, the the metric here isn't did you do it first? It's who does it best. And I think that that always, always rises to the top. I, I, I distinctly believe that it always rises to the top. Macho man, yeah. Um, what's your favorite Grandland article before we uh, get to the next thing? Ah, I mean, do you have like a, a, a few that you can list down? I mean, where, where, where do we start? Um, first of all, my, my boy Rafe. Um, oh yeah, for Bar- sure. Bartholomew during his time at Grantland, there wasn't anything that Rafe put out that I just devoured within minutes. Um, I just I just changed laptops like a few weeks ago, but before that, my uh, 
my one of my one of my bookmarks was still Grantland because that's how long I've had that laptop. Um, but but Rafe, sorry about that. Rafe did a lot of great stuff. Hang on, go ahead. Yeah, Rafe did a lot of great stuff because he's practically Pinoy and he always put us on the map. I'll always remember this one Grantland article um, that Bill Simmons wrote about how he was trying to stop his daughter Zoe from falling in love with Pau Gasol, but um, <laughs> he couldn't help it. And she had this massive little girl crush. As a little girl, I had this massive crush on, on Pau Gasol. Um, I, just, I just read that like last year, just again, just me and my friend just sent it back to, to each other. Uh, <laughs> we just started laughing. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, I still look back at basketball hour, um, that yeah. they, that they used, that they used to do with, with, with Jalen Rose, with Rose yeah. who, who, who I still feel is one of the, one of the people, one of Grantland's big wins was gifting us Jalen Rose as a, as a talking head in sports. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the hits will keep on coming, man. I mean, I, I, I miss, I, I, I miss Grantland so much. It was an incredible Damn. time to be alive and to be a sports fan. That whole, that whole stretch where Bill and Jalen were doing that, like that run of like the 30 teams, like in order of how much they thought the teams would succeed. Like that was something to look forward to every single week. And high school sucked for me. So it was like, wow, I get to watch Bill Simmons and Jalen Rose talk every week. Um, I, yeah, guess- I mean, back when, back when Bill wrote, when, when Bill, you know, he always jokes that when his fingers used to work, um, as great as he is as a podcaster, you know, they joke around and call him the pod father, right? I mean, all of us having podcasts now, whether you listen to yeah. the BS report or not, you know, a lot of it you can really credit to that because his success in podcasting really established this framework of hopefully medium, yeah. m- making it a profitable way to create content. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, it's back when he used to, as, as good of a podcaster as he is, as I was saying, um, he was a better writer. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, his, his columns, um, over-unders, trade value columns um, were, were, were really some of the best stuff that was truly groundbreaking. Yeah. I think I even stole my writing retirement from Bill Simmons. I'm not sure. <laughs> but... But he 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 just got late. He just got too lazy and too rich because he became a CEO. So he stopped he stopped writing and then just chose to keep doing podcasts. I stopped writing because the people who wrote um, the people whose work I was editing as editor of Slam just started to get better and better and better. And then yeah. I realized I couldn't hang anymore. And I'm well, like, you just oh. have to give it to them at that point. I'm like, oh no, I, I'm I'm garbage compared to these guys. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, I could probably. I could probably churn out like one good thousand word or one a year, but these guys are like, just like kicking it out once a week. And I'm like, I, I'm just not built like that. I, I don't have that skill. They're much, they're way, way, way too talented for me to try and keep up with. So I'm just going to edit their work. I'm just going to stop writing. And that's looking up to the youth. Uh, no, that's just looking up to people better <laughs> than you, man. I mean, that, that's, that's important. That's important. Yeah. You just got to be aware. I mean, if, if someone's, if someone's kicking your butt at something, you just, you just got to stop fighting at some point. I get that. I get that. And, um, there was something else I was going to ask. Oh yeah. No, I was going to say that, um, 
like the last time that Bill Simmons was really good at writing was uh was when Kobe died. It was like wow, it really it took Kobe to die for you to like come up with something that good again. Um, shout out Kobe by the way, rest in peace to Kobe. Before we leave the whole Bill Simmons topic, I did want to ask um that kind of Grantland question, which is um just a fun question, just to pause for a bit. The, like the whole wine cellar team, which is for those of you who don't know, uh, choosing a specific player at a specific point in their career. What's your wine cellar NBA team um, in terms of the guys that you were like actually alive to watch? Oh, um, 2000, which was the year that Kobe wasted. 2006, 2007, probably 2006 Kobe. Um, that was just stupid 40 point streak Kobe. Um, I'm going to go him. I'm going to go second season with the heat LeBron James. Mm, Is that 13? Yeah. 13. Yeah. Yeah, 13. So that was his third uh, season, I think. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, whichever it was that, uh, the second. Sure. Yeah. 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 One of those, you can't go wrong with a, (laughs) Except for the last year. Well, any LeBron James, I feel is. Yeah, <laughs> it might have been twelve because they lost, they lost the they lost to the Mavs in in eleven. Yeah, and then they just came out as a, a house on fire twelve. So I'm gonna go oh six Kobe twelve LeBron. Um, give me. You gotta put sixteen Steph. Twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen Steph for sure. There. Um. I take on most five team squads now with just those three guys. Uh, give me six. Give me seventeen Durant. Um, not fourteen. Not the MVP year. I just loved watching him on the Warriors. I'm one of those guys who doesn't hate him for going to the Warriors. Same. I actually loved that he played on the Warriors because I was like, "That's basketball, man." I mean, that's. I mean, shout out to the fourteen Spurs who were incredible. Um, but I mean, <laughs> the seventeen Warriors were were a cheat code. That that was extremely fun to watch. That was fun for me because the Lakers sucked those years, so I didn't root for anyone. And yeah. I knew that you know any any Laker win was already a big win. And if they lost, that's fine because there's no expectations. Um, so, and he spurned the Celtics yeah. that year too. Like that was just like the Celtics and the Warriors. And you're just like fuck you. Celtics. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Um, it was the Hampton strip. It was a ha- so so what I and then give me two thousand check. Mm. You were yeah, so you were like actively watching in two thousand. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I was right. I was what 11, 11 years okay. old yeah. then. I really started to get into like actually watching the NBA during the last probably two MJ championships that made me around eight, nine. Uh, and then, yeah, some, somewhere, somewhere around then. And then, yeah, the, the, the three-peat with the three-peat with the Lakers is stamped in my head because that's when I was starting to kind of understand basketball at a pretty good level. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this is cool. I, I root for a team and this team never loses. <laughs> Like we just win every year. Cool. Yeah. I love the NBA. <laughs> and then Kobe and Shaq broke up. And I was like, oh, 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 there's heartbreak in this. Oh, this is what it feels like to to suck. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. That's how I learned the the gamut of human emotions. So yeah, so I have 
I have 16 staff. I have 26 Kobe at the two. I have 13 or 12 LeBron. I have KD on the Warriors. And then I have 2000 Shaq. Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a, a special mention to 2000 and 2003 Tim Duncan. Or I KG, so. yeah. Or KG, yeah, yeah. I cause I cannot say as someone who was born in 1998, I can't like safely say that I cared about like 2000 chat. That's like not in my consciousness right now. I do feel how you feel about the whole winning thing because I'm a Nets fan. Because uh, I'm oh, a big, okay. I'm a big Kyrie Irving fan, and uh, and because my dad was a Celtics fan, so then when he left, I was like, you know what, I want a different team. And then Kyrie left, right. so I was like, oh, that's fucking perfect. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's go to New York. Um, so it's great for me right now. I'm living the life. Now, my next question though is, what's it's your... a stupid watch though. Sorry, I know that you were probably too young for for 2000 mm-hmm. Shack, but it's a stupid watch. I mean, if if you just go and watch, just you, even just watch just like YouTube highlights of just. Shaq from from that era. It's insane. It's obscene. On everyone. It's it's obscene. How, just, I mean, how big he was, sure, but just how good he was, just how skilled he was. Like anytime the Lakers lost, it was a shock. Mm. That's that does sound very disgusting. Um, yeah. And the the next thing I did want to ask you though was, uh, do you have a wine cellar team for the UAAP? Oh man, um, of the guys that I covered. Of the guys that I covered, just so it's kind of fair, yeah. instead please of say, please say two thousand nine Pauly, please say two thousand nine Pauly. I was, um, he, he's gonna he's gonna be so upset if I don't pick him. Um, I'm gonna go with either one of the Ben Mbala, any Ben Mbala at Lasalle, um, who's the best UAP player we've seen in recent history. Um, we're gonna go last year's last season's Ange Kwame. Um, good shout. Um, gonna go sophomore year Juan Gomez de Liano. I'm gonna go. Finals MVP 30. You can pick which finals MVP 30 you want because he has two. And it's technically not fair for me to pick Keith because I didn't cover. So I'm just picking from the guys that I was like commentator for, that I commentated their their games, not from when I was courtside report because that's just way too old. That's just way too many players to pick from. So I I have Juan... His second year before he got hurt, uh, I have 30 on either of his finals MVP runs. I have Ange from last season. I have Mbala from any of the seasons that he played for LaSalle. Um, what am I short here? Well, I'm short. Uh... Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Give me Kobe. Yeah, give, give me <laughs> last year's Kobe. Just, just to, like put it on your head. Um, but that might be a little that might be a little UP bias. So mm. I might I might I might think about throwing in um, his last year before he left, uh, Alvin Pasaol, just oh, for yeah. fun, just yeah. for fun, just for just absolute enjoyment. Just when he just 
that was like the first 50 point game in a long time right <laughs> yeah that was yeah. fucking crazy um so anyway now that we're done with that whole like quick thing about um about having fun with sports i did want to ask you and i this is kind of how i wanted to end the show the man um cuz i was looking back at um at your old blog from 2010 um, <laughs> some bounces which uh yeah so the, the one titled up? it is that's how i was able to find it just oh, another damn. kid with a microphone um yeah. and this is a post at... well there are only like four posts there you might have deleted like the rest of them i feel <laughs> i thought i deleted the whole thing i didn't know how well no no it's honest, still there beats beats and bounces.blogspot.com you can check it nice. out right now. yeah um so you have a post there called on a positive note and yeah, i'm not gonna read the whole thing because it's pretty long but there's a lot of there about um, a couple of things. First of all, is just staying positive. And the second one is um, overcoming obstacles and being an unforgiving person. And before I get to the first one, I didn't want to focus on the second one first. Like, what, what's your deal with forgiveness? And because um, it seems like it's something that you've had to learn uh, since that time, which is like over a decade ago. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess in anyone's youth, you just kind of have to battle through whether it's adversity, whether it's perceived adversity, um, personal loss, um, things just not going your way in general. You just kind of battle through it in, in you know, kind of your own way, um, and it's not always easy and it's not always something that you can wrap your head around, I guess, um, or something that you can truly um, maybe comprehend in the moment. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a problem in forgiveness. I, I just remember taking that, that specific radio show that I did at that time incredibly seriously because the brief was pretty simple. Like, hey, you have, you have this four-hour radio show on Sundays. Just play, just feel good music. Just play feel-good music and just try to cheer everyone up. And it's called On a Positive Note. Um, and, you know, it's just, just good vibes. Just a good vibe show. Um, so when I first started doing it, I was like, all right, cool. Let me just pick out some really cool, fun, lighthearted inspirational songs um, that also sound like magic should be playing them and build this playlist and then just, you know, come into work every week and just, you know, have a good time. But people who would send songs in to suggest people who'd call in, they all had stories for these particular songs, right? Oh, I love this song because it helped me get through this really tough part in my life and stuff like that. And that's when I kind of really started to take it a little bit more seriously. And that's when I kind of started to really just understand the responsibility of being on the radio. Um, and I started to, I guess, be much more empathetic to what people were going through, what people were struggling with. And maybe they weren't my personal struggles. Maybe they weren't my actual experiences, but you become part of that journey. Um, yeah. If if you're on the radio and if they're listening to you, if they have some level of dependence on, on you to bring up their mood. Um, 
and that continued on. I mean, that was like, as you said, from 2010, that was my first year on radio, more or less. Um, no, sorry. That was my, or my second year in radio. Um, and then, you know, as, as my career grew and it grew and it grew and eventually I, I made it on, on the morning show on magic with Mo and with Sam and eventually, you know, with, with, with Casey and the other people that we did that show with, you really begin to understand just how important it is for you to be able to tap into what's happening with other people, right. And be able to have some type of attempt at understanding what they're going through. Um, and, you know, that's something that I really take away from my experience, my 10 years at radio is because I became a much better person at just being more empathetic towards others um, mm -hmm. and not kind of using my own problems and my own struggles as the scale of whether or not a problem is big or small. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I always found that whatever it was that I was going through, there's always someone who's maybe going through more in that moment. Um, and, you know, having the platform that, that I had um, at the time, and, you know, to some extent, maybe I still have right now, it's, it's, it's important to be aware of that. Uh, it's important to be responsible uh, with that. And there's, there's certain things that I used to feel about radio that I don't necessarily feel anymore. Um, but that's one thing that I'll always, always, you know, truly be thankful for, for my 10 years doing that job is that I, I was able to learn those lessons. What's uh, before I ask, I, I did want to ask first, you, you said that there are things about radio that you don't necessarily believe anymore. And what are those? That I'm built for it, that I'm good at it, mm. um, that I'm in a place to bring out the best in my my co-hosts um, because not everyone can play up until year 18 and be in MVP discussions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, some guys have pretty good careers and their careers end at 10 years. Um, I'm extremely proud of what I was able to do when I was on the radio with the people that I was on the radio with, I went my, I met my wife during radio. We, we hosted a radio show together. That's how we became good friends. Um, before we even started dating, um, but as you grow naturally, some people grow up and their interests remain in line with what their interests were when they were 18. And some people go down a different path. And that's simply what happened to me. I was just much more intrigued about the, the business of, of basketball, uh, about branding, marketing, being part of a different team. I was such a big fan of what the guys over at Titan were doing. Um, and I wanted to pursue that. I wanted to take on that next challenge and I wanted to be somewhere where I was all in and I didn't want to, I didn't want to weigh down the guys at magic who I respect so much and who I have an immense amount of love for by having one foot out the door at all times or yeah. my mind divided because I'm thinking about something else. Um, but also doing the radio show. It's like I said, there's an immense responsibility um, being on the radio, specifically being on that show in the morning to start people's days. Um, and 
if you don't approach it with the requisite amount of care, attention, and dedication, then you're not going to be good at it. Um, So it was at that point I ceased to believe that I was the best person to be on that microphone. And uh, yeah, and then I walked away. I wanted to just to circle back to how you know you were developing empathy for the people that you know you were listening to uh, that were listening to you um like are there any stories that stick out that like was there ever like anyone that like really broke you even in the booth mismo i guess i guess what i would say is because there's there's like some crazy stories right there's a guy walking around somewhere out there with my face tattooed on his neck holy um, shit that's worse because, than Reg. <laughs> now that's no, a, he didn't, I don't think he necessarily liked me. We were just giving something away. And then as a joke, as a joke, we said, hey, if you get, if you get my face and Mo's face and Casey's face and Hannah's face tattooed on your neck, you'll win this prize. It was like this like, certain mm. amount of cash. And the person actually did it. And I was like, dude, we were joking, but he did it. Um, and they won. Um, I... I said something once before about, I don't even remember what. I said something once before because I always did about this government and someone called the office and looked for me. And when I picked up the phone, they just told me my parking slot in the building, the make and model of my car, the plate number, and what time I, what time I go there to park and what time I leave. So essentially telling me we know like we know where you are at all times. We know your car and stuff like that. And told me to shut up. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like a gamut of emotions. That, I mean, that's the spectrum for you when you have as big of an audience as, as that show does and as being as opinionated and as honest as, as we were. Because that was our only commitment was just like, yo, like we just have to be honest on this show. We don't have to be right all the time. And a lot of the time we weren't right, but we just have to be honest. And the times that we're not right, we have to be honest enough to say, oh, crap, my bad. Now we know better. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a hit and miss thing. Sometimes we did well, sometimes we didn't. Um, but if, if, if there's really, truly one story that, you know, like I, I look back on, um, we, used to, we used to have this caller. Um, her name was Melisa. And she was a longtime listener of Moe's. Uh, and, you know, eventually she became someone that we became very, very familiar with. She used to call us a lot, but she suffered a stroke and couldn't move for a good amount of time. And we just always have the radio on and we just always listen to the show and was wildly entertained by us for some reason. <laughs> and she would always call in and we would joke with her like we would because it's so hard to, to, to call in on that show because everyone everyone's always calling and she always found a way to get through and she always, always found a way to get through and sometimes wouldn't have anything to contribute to the topic would change the topic, which was cardinal sin number one. And sometimes like we joke because I was in charge of the board. Sometimes I joke and like hang up on her as soon as she said hello, because we knew her voice, like we'd hang up on her. And then the next day she'd call again, me like laughing, like, Oh, you hung up on me yesterday. (laughs) And she was just she was just the best. Any chance that we had, we were giving away. We used to give away a lot of stuff, sometimes cash, on that show. And we always set some aside um, to. I think a couple of Christmases in a row, we 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 made sure that we we sent some Melisa's way, and she would come to the booth every now and then. 
um, and just show us the, an immense amount of love we didn't deserve. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that will always stay with me is because like there's, there's people like that who this means a whole lot more to them than, than maybe we realize. Do you, um, outside of the whole death threat thing about like the politics thing, did you ever have like a crazy stalker? Yeah, like any crazy no. stalker stories? Really? No, no, no. That's, I know some, some of the guys, some of like the DJs who've been there, they've had, they've had stalkers and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm, I'm a pretty normal dude. Um, it's kind of hard to stalk someone who's just like <laughs> really normal. So like, I mean, if, if, if you, if you imagine like if you tried to stalk like your neighbor or whatever, it wouldn't, that's it not wouldn't necessarily, yeah. it wouldn't necessarily feel that way. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I never did. Never had those, those stories. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't. Although, I don't know what it is that you must do to quote unquote deserve a stalker, but <laughs> certain amount of fame uh, I think is a requisite, and I don't think I hit that. Well, I mean, you know, like I was when I was doing research for the show, I was like looking through, I was trying to look through all your old shit, and uh, lucky for you, I feel like you've deleted a lot of them. But I was looking through <laughs> your old Ask FM, and there were like a lot of people who were thirsty for you at that time. Uh, oh, <laughs> like, I didn't even crazy. know that thing's still on. It is. It is. I was. I'm. I was doing my best. Um, but going good times. Going back to the whole thing about being on a positive note, I. I don't know if there's any other way for me to ask this, but like, why are you so happy? Like as a person, I feel like that's just like. Like when I was preparing for the show, I was like, yeah, that's just the one thing I really just want to ask Nico Ramos. <laughs> if there's anything, it's like, why the fuck are you? How how are you so happy all the time? Or at least I, you present yourself that way. No, I mean, I. No one's necessarily happy all the time, right? I keep going back to this episode on on House MD. If any of the kids ever watched that show House, no, but there was this so there was this guy who was incredibly jolly and just always in a good mood. And they never anger him and turns out there was something wrong with his brain. <laughs> and then when House <laughs> fixed it, it was a, it was actually a physical defect on his brain that fed him more endorphins or I don't know what it is. That, <laughs> but anyway, um, so maybe it's that. But no one's necessarily happy all the time. Um, I'm, I'm happy with life. I've been very, very blessed, obviously. Um, I mean, have you seen my wife and have you seen me? no dude no no trust me like i look at our wedding photo like i have photos of us hanging here and every time i look at it i laugh i'm just like (laughs) scammed you (laughs) it's funny um no but i mean i'm thankful for i'm thankful for for a lot of things um at, at a very early point in life, I think I was in high school or something like that, or maybe in college, I kind of made this like internal rule with myself not to be angry with anyone if they didn't mean it. And I was just like super like just simple, whether it's someone knocking over your stuff or accidentally eating your food that you stored in the ref. And I'm like, no, if it's an accident, if they didn't know it, if they didn't plot to do it against me, then that's not something I should... I just told myself that's not something I'm going to be angry about just to kind of like, just check that emotion. Um, and then it just kind of like, you know, you know, really stuck, you know what I mean? Um, and that's why the things I get pissed off at, I'm incredibly pissed off at, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether it's like negligence at the national leadership level or whatever, because I'm like, you, 
These people aren't idiots, right? These people aren't idiots. They know what they're doing. They are complicit in this like charade of incompetence. I wouldn't even say that they're incompetent because yeah. they don't, they it's don't know any better. Yeah. They do know better. They just choose not to do it for a whole long list of selfish reasons. But, you know, my point is <laughs> there are things that piss me off. But, but you know, for, for the most part, um, it's, you know, not to, not to be cheesy or anything, but I, I distinctly believe a lot of it is, is grace of God, of course. Uh, a, a lot of it is, is because... Um, a few years ago, I, I, I found God, I, I became born again and uh, became a Christian. Um, but just my overall disposition is, is always kind of, yeah, I guess it's just being conscious of how, how much power everyone has when it comes to, when it comes to turning someone's day and just ruining it because we all kind of have that power. I'm not sitting here and kind of like feeling like I have this like gauntlet with all the infinity stones to like turn your day around and make it better. But I do know that I have it in me as you have it in you to turn anyone's day and ruin it, right? Yeah. And I just choose against that. I'm not trying to purposely go out here and cheer everyone up. I'm just trying to make sure I'm not the reason you get pissed off. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, it, it pains me in no way. It disadvantages me in no way. The um, Andalulugi by, by choosing to see, to look the other way when something aggravates me, when something inconveniences me, but was not intentional, that's just life. That's just happens, right? I mean, um, and I kind of had this conversation uh, a few days ago with, with my sister-in-law. Um, we, were just, we were just having fun. We were fake fighting in the car. Um, and then, you know, she said something that was really, really insightful. And she said, just randomly because, you know, we were, we were driving, we were driving to run an errand and, you know, we were, we were pretending like we were, I think, fighting over which song to play. Cause I've been playing the same Kenny Rogers song for like the last week and a half here at the house and she's sick of it. So we were pretend fighting and we were laughing. And then she said something super insightful. I think she said something like, you know, no one ever really wins a fight. Someone yeah. just gets tired. And I, and that's so true. And that's something that, while I may not have had the words before she said it, it's something that I've just like always, always believed um, that as you get older, hopefully people will realize that being right doesn't really count for much. Yeah. It, it's not as, it's not as fun as you think it is being right. And even much less, having the need to show people that you're right and they're wrong. I mean, it's just like at that point, you'll never be satisfied. For... And, and I'd like to think that we only have so many battles within us as people. It's like yeah. it's a limited ammunition. I agree. I'd, ra I'd rather choose to actually 
fight the fights worth fighting. Yeah. Um, and use that limited amount of negative energy I have on things that deserve negative energy. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's just, yeah, just there's, there's, there's always something to appreciate. There's always something to, to feel good about. Right. Um, I tell people this all the time. You have to be like Allen Iverson in most any situation in life. Again, not all, because I mean, because you, you still have to practice. <clears throat> you <laughs> do. But by the way, the whole practice speech always gets taken out of context. Yeah, because that was like AI. after his friend died, and um, yeah, that was after his friend yeah. died, and and like they were barraging him with questions about practice, and I'm like. Well, well, too bad for him though, because like I feel like that summarizes his career pretty well anyway. Like even if it is out of context, in a lot. Yeah, of because you know a lot of terrible things have happened to to him. You know, being the one from a really tough neighborhood and family to make it out. But I mean, I always use him as a role model because it's so 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 hard to find someone who's had the type of success that he's had, and to be as as badass, as tough, as much of an OG as he was, that just shows love to everyone who's playing right now. Because that's what AI will do. You won't ever, ever, ever hear AI complain about how the game is being played now. AI just shows love, man. I mean, AI loves Steph Curry. AI loves Damian Lillard, right? I mean, these guys get compared to him all the time. And he can sit there and be like, back in my day, back yeah. in my day, they couldn't, ha- you know, they, they no could hand check shit. me. Yeah. And I could still drop 40 on everyone. I'm barely 5'10". None of that. AI is like, yeah, no, Steph's cool. Like, I love Steph. AI is like, oh, yeah, Damian Lillard, he's cool. You see AI with Kobe Pass, AI couldn't handle himself. And that's someone who took away a chance at an NBA championship from him and that they had historic bouts of just com- com- competition against each other and stuff. Like, AI just loves everybody, man. And I'm like, dude, if AI, Allen Iverson, like, seriously, like, cornrows god, arm sleeve originator, Allen Iverson, step over Ty Lu AI, if he can just sit back, enjoy life, because you know, I'm man, I'm making no bones about it. I'm I, I'm I'm living as as good of a life as I can ask for, right? The struggles I'm going through are nothing compared to the struggles that most people are going through, man. I mean, I have mm-hmm. it, <clears throat> I have it good, and maybe I won't always have it good. I haven't always had it good in the past, but right now in this time, in this chapter, in my life, in this season, I have it good. But there's a responsibility that comes with that. I don't want to burden you with my stuff because my stuff is nothing compared to yours. And if I can do the bare minimum of being a human being and just trying my best not to ruin your day, (laughs) then I'm going to go and do it. Um, because you don't need any more stuff coming from me. Um, because I don't know, I don't know what kind of stuff you're going through. And I'm completely aware that one day I'm going to go through some heavy stuff and I'm not going to need your BS. Um, so hopefully I would have made investments along the way to be like, you know what, Nico, he's a cool dude. You know, he didn't really give me any trouble before maybe going through some stuff right now. I'm going to help him out right now by just not, just not ruining his day. 
That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying not to ruin anyone's day. I think it's the bare minimum. I don't think it's anything particularly special. And if more people did it, I think that more people would be less ranty on Twitter. Yeah. There's a there's a certain level of humility that comes with um with being grateful. And I think like that that's the whole Allen Iverson thing that I think you know resonates with me too. Like you you really don't see him shit talk uh Steph and Dame. You're like you're absolutely right about that. And 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 I don't think it's hundred percent altruistic, right? I mean mm. I mean I'll I'll be the first to say that. AI can feel that way because AI has no no insecurities because guess what? He's Allen He's Allen Iverson. Iverson. Yeah. Like, in, in, the, in the same vein, while I haven't reached AI status in whatever it is I'm doing, I'm secure myself. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And I know how good I am at the things that I'm good at. I don't need to put anyone down just to feel better about myself because I've come to, as best as I can, embrace where it is I'm at, where it is I want to be, and where it is I'm not yet but also where it is I'm no longer at, right? Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. I can live with myself. And for other people, that's not so easy. And all I'm trying to do is to not make it any harder on themselves by making them feel bad or ruining their day and making it even harder for them to be able to live with themselves. Yeah. I, I do think you know, there, there are some people where... I feel like people do have to realize sometimes, and this is something I'm trying to realize too, that like, you know, when you talked about choosing your battles, um, like some people realize that that doesn't mean you have to have a battle to begin with. Um, Like there are a lot of times where you really can't just be grateful about the things in front of you. And it's kind of a weird question to to go off of, but I I did want to ask you, um, going by the whole happiness thing, what was the worst year of your life? Like, if you could complain about it for just, like, really quick. Like, do you remember one year that stands out? It's like, man, I never want to, re- like, redo that year. There's, I'm not sure if it's a specific calendar year, but within the span of, I think, over the course of 12 months, around the 2010, 2011 part, um, that was really rough. Um, I lost both my grandparents on my mom's side um you know within within 12 months of 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 each other um they had both kind of my 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 lolo was sick for uh for a while for a couple of years leading up to that and then my grandmother all of a sudden just out of nowhere kind of just fell into sickness and just deteriorated at a pretty rapid pace and she went first um and then my grandfather kind of um you know we didn't see a lot of recovery from 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 him and then he went a few months after that um and that was rough uh that was really rough because my my grandfather on my dad's side um passed away not long after that um and you know it was just it was just a lot of loss for for our family you know i mentioned earlier we were extremely close my grandparents on on both sides um i I was extremely close with them so to just kind of we got to a point where people in the hospitals knew us we got to a point where 
like we became we became like just experts when it came to how to hold a wake, arrange things for a funeral. We just became experts at that because we had so much experience with it and a cramped amount of time. And it didn't feel good. You know, that's why any any time now anyone has like some type of death in the family, like they call like they call us. Like they'll call my mom or my dad or me. And they'll be like, yeah, you guys have been here before. You guys have done this a bunch of times. What do we need to prepare? Stuff like that. And that's not a good feeling. That's not, that's not one thing you want to be good at because you have a lot of experience in it. Um, so yeah, so that was, so that was rough. That was rough. Just when you were trying to, just when you were starting to get over a particular loss, another one comes um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just a huge, huge adjustment period that, you know, I think you carry with you for a long, long time. Yeah. I, I've, I'm no stranger to grief either. I've had people that I've lost to, and it is something that I feel like people don't realize how hard it, because you, you think that you know how it feels until you experience losing someone you love. And that's, um, that's something that I, I, I can never take for granted when someone tells me that like I've lost somebody. It's like, no, yeah, you can take a week off. Like, go, go just be alone for now. Um, and I guess the, the very last thing I wanted to go off, um, given you know, we're talking about grief and, and how that affects people, is something that we've talked about like, quite a bit over the course of the show. Um, you know, there's a lot of grief about the country right now. And given the fact that you, know, you are someone who does try to radiate these good vibes. And um, again, as you said, not necessarily in an active way, but you know, it just tries to be a positive energy in people's lives. Uh, like, how do you stay positive when every week there's like some shitty thing that happens? Like, there's some activist that dies, or some journalist that gets arrested, or some money that gets stolen. Like, how how do you stay positive throughout all that? I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure I can. Um, I think life is just a contest of who can compartmentalize best, right? Yeah. Um, especially living in this country in this time with these people in charge, um, it's, it's a challenge. It's a fight to be able to enjoy things that you should enjoy when at the back of your mind, you're aware of all the things that are going on that's causing real destructive, sometimes deadly consequences to the weakest of the weak and the poorest of the poor. Um, it's 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 really that you, you you try and do your best to to show up for the people you love for the people who depend on you um and to share with them any type of love appreciation um that you can and at the same time be as empathetic as sympathetic as possible be as understanding as possible be as knowledgeable as you can about all the other stuff that requires, that demands, that, you know, is, is in need of, of larger action, of larger conversation. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things I regret uh, about not being on the radio anymore, if, if anything. Uh, although, you know, for, for the most part, I don't necessarily miss the radio experience because I feel like the people who are doing it right now are much better fitted to, to do it um than i am but that's that's something that i could tangibly contribute to the conversation to previously uh on a large scale with a large audience with 
extreme regularity, being able to do it every morning. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially what we're, what we've been forced into is now trying to guilt trip you into enjoying the things um, that you honestly legitimately should enjoy, but you know, the, the purposeful and the, the, the very intentional uh, ignorance, um, mismanagement, corruption, indecency, selfishness that the country's being led with in part kind of guilt trips you into feeling good about oh like dinner was good tonight <laughs> you know something as good as something as simple as that or oh i want to celebrate this person because it's their birthday and i want to show them love and i want to be able to tell them how much i appreciate them um so you're posting about this person and stuff like that, but then you see something on the news and now you're kind of, you're kind of robbed that experience yeah. to show love and to receive love to, to other people because maybe this isn't the most appropriate time to be posting this, right? Um, and that's, that is a true crime because joy is being stolen from people on a massive scale, right? Yeah. And people are being forced to turn on each other um because of it i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i haven't been annoyed at someone who's you know posting happy birthday dinner stuff with one of their loved ones when i'm reading the news and seeing something so incredibly horrific is happening at the same time and in that instant i'm thinking how can you be posting this when this is happening and then I catch myself and I realize, why am, I, why am I upset at the person who's doing something we all want to go back to, to doing? Why is it his fault that he's showing love or receiving love for, from people who mean something to him? Yeah. I should be upset that this, like, you know, this crappy stuff is happening because of the crappy people behind it, right? Yeah. Um, but that's what's happening. And again, this isn't some accident. This isn't some product of you know some incompetent or ill-informed people who are bulls in a china shop just not knowing their way and just wrecking stuff all around them no this is this is scientific yeah this is this is pinpoint accuracy this is exactly what they want for us to feel and to do and um and it's hard man i mean we're 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 catching l's every single day and even someone who appears to be as positive as, as I am finds it difficult on, on, on most days. So I can only imagine what it's like for people who are having to deal with other real world stuff on their shoulders um, and having to read and experience, you know, and sometimes be the recipients of, of all, all these terrible things that are happening around us. Yeah, I agree. Like at the end of the day, hindi rin naman talaga kaaway natin yung mga um, like not even the rich people necessarily are kaaway natin unless they're like landed. But that's a whole different discussion. Just to end on a more positive note, um, I did want to ask you 
since you've brought up your faith a few times, uh, how have you been able to maintain your faith throughout the whole quarantine? Because for me, it's uh, it has been a struggle for me as a like I I'm a pretty devout Catholic, but um, it's been very difficult for me given that like church physical church has been taken away. Um, especially like since the year before that, I was like very strong in my faith. Like I'd go to confession and mass very often. Um, my girlfriend, Leigh, I met her through my Catholic org. But having that taken away the next year is very difficult. Uh, I'm trying to come back to it again. So I guess I just wanted to ask you, um, given that you know, you've said that God is a very solid rock for you right now, how do you maintain that? You try your best. You have the... You have the wisdom and you have the understanding that God knows the difficulty, that he expects you to come back to him, that he expects you to not have to leave, that you need to go back. But also you have the awareness that he's provided you with opportunity to return because he knows that there are things that might drive you away. Um, And while it's not necessarily something that's okay to be away from him, um, the journey back to him is not without him. You you know what I mean? Like uh, I, I think a lot of the time we think of our relationship with God as a destination, a place, a physical bordered piece of land that I'm either there or I'm not right. I'm there with God or I've drifted away because my habits have been removed. My support group has been removed. My ability to, to go to church or service or confession uh, or worship or whatever it is, has been removed because of this pandemic. What we, what I have to remind myself all the time is that wherever you are in your journey, in your faith journey, that God is there with you. Um, And if you're trying to, if you think about it as a place, right? If you're trying to go back to the motherland, if you're trying to come back home, the person who's taking every step with you on the way back is God. Um, And if you feel like you're kind of losing grip and you're drifting further and further away from him, the person that's being drifted with you right there, right beside you, every step or every slide of the way is God. And he never leaves us. He's always there. And that we may not be as far away from him as we think. Um, And I think that that's something that I've had to, I've had to learn and I've had to accept and had to forgive myself um, because it's easy to make that excuse, right? I've drifted far away, so far away from God. I'm not sure if I'll ever get back there when maybe he's not that far. Maybe he's just like, maybe the dude's just right next to you, right? Yeah. And maybe you just have to turn around and be like, oh no, big homie's right there. Um, and, and I think it's a constant reminding myself of that um, that gets me through um, and that reminds me of his presence. Um, and look, I mean, I don't, I don't do great at it every day, um, but you know, you, you, you talk about Leia, your girlfriend, who, who you met um, at, at your church org. My wife is the person that brought me to church. Um, and I, I share my journey with her. And on most days, I lean on her. 
Um, and, you know, she kind of carries me through. And on some days she has to lean on me and I try my best to carry her through. On some days, neither of us are in a carrying mood. <laughs> um, and, At that point, and you just have fine. to let God do that. Yeah, and, and, and that's fine, man. That's fine. Yeah. It's, 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 just a, it's just always a reminding of, of oneself that yeah. <laughs> I can't ever, even if I tried, I can't ever, ever be away from it. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, uh, that's, that's something that as, as soon as I kind of really started wrapping my head around that, that's really helped me a lot. I've heard once from a priest um, that sometimes when we think God changes or that God looks different, it's really just us who change. Right. And that's something that I've tried to believe too. Like, even when I, when I do feel angry at God, I have to accept that sometimes I do feel that. And, um, and because he's all loving and understanding, like he'll get it. And I completely agree with everything you said. So on that note, I do want to ask, is there anything else you want to plug before we head out of here? Um, no, not, nothing really. It's just, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if uh, whoever's listening to this hasn't chanced upon the podcast yet, um, give it a shot. You might like it. We talk about some basketball and, couple of tv shows that we're not sure if you like or not but we're sure that we like it so it makes it onto the podcast that's really kind of the only qualification but yeah uh check us out it's called call to arms wherever it is you find podcasts so when you're done with this episode check out call to arms by nico ramos thank you so much uh, i had a great time with you uh we talked about a lot of great things and thank you so much for being yourself bye hey, appreciate it man thanks <laughs> Thank you so much to Nico Ramos for your time and effort. Make sure you check him out and tune in to the Call to Arms pod. Also, quick shout out to my friend Reg Paras, who really, really wanted this episode to happen. That's all for this week. Join us again next week for another round of Being Ourselves. Peace. Be Yourself Season 2 is produced by Gianina Azores and Andy Macias. Follow us everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Be Yourself Pod. This show would not be possible without the amazing art of Reinhardt Ray. Check out his art portfolio at behance.net slash Reinhardt Ray. That's R-E-I-N-H-A-R-D-T-R-E-Y. And you can also check out his Twitch streams at twitch.tv slash TFT. And thank you so much to Weege for the kick-ass intro extra music. Follow him on Facebook at facebook.com slash W-E-E-J music. Thank you so much, and I hope you always keep being yourself. Peace.